Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 this morning. God's word says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. So this morning as we continue our study in the book of Revelation, I want to know if you've ever asked the question, how will it all end? When we look at the news, when we look at what's going on in our world around us, I think just about everyone has asked the question, how is it all going to end? Well, there's a a lot of detail that goes into that, and I may not be able to give you the solid, firm answer of all the details, but there is one that does know how it's all going to end. And from this message this morning, we're going to have a look, a brief glimpse at the conclusion of the age of grace, which is the age and the day that we live in. We are known to be living in the day of grace. It is a day when all people that can be saved will be saved by grace, by believing in Jesus Christ. Those who believe in him and those who call upon him to be their Lord and Savior, it is by grace they will be saved through faith in him. And it is those folks who will see Jesus when he comes to rapture his church. But understand, when the day of grace is passed and the tribulation day comes and it sets upon this earth, there will still be people who will be saved. It will be a much harsher time. And it will be a much more difficult time. But we're going to look through all of that time period through this study. But for today, we're going to get a glimpse of the end. The good part of the end. We're going to get a glimpse today of the good ending of how things are going to all pan out when all of the corruption is going to be ended, when all of the heartache and all of the misery is going to be ended, when all of the hurt, all of the sickness, all of the disease is going to be ended, when there will be peace upon this earth, true, genuine peace, not some man-made pretentious peace but the real thing that is brought about by Jesus Christ we get a snapshot of what things will be like when the Lord returns to end the great tribulation we also receive a subtle warning which points us to the Lord as the lion of the tribe of Judah and every person will face the Lord Jesus Christ There isn't one that won't. It doesn't matter if you believe in him and accept him as your Lord and Savior or if you totally reject him and push him away. You will meet the Lord Jesus Christ in judgment one day. It will either be the beam of seat of Christ for those who are saved or it will be the great white throne judgment 
for those who are not. But understand, there will be saving grace. There will be that opportunity and there will be that time where we will meet the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when we think about that, and as we get further along in our study, we're going to fill in the details of our age. We're going to see some of the very difficult things and some of the troubling things that are going to happen to unbelievers and to believers as well. But for the moment, let's fast forward through all of the bad stuff. And let's go to the end. Let's go to the promised return. And let's see what God's Word tells us this morning about what it's going to look like to be in the presence of God for those who love Him. First, I want you to know that Jesus' return is something that is assured. When we read, Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him. Now, this is not the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church has already happened. The Lord has already came, and He will not step foot on this earth at the rapture. He will meet us in the air. There will be a day and a time coming before the tribulation begins where the Lord Jesus Christ will step out into the heavens and he will call his church to be with him. He will call to be with him all born again believers. All that are buried in the earth, the dead in Christ, they will rise first. And then us who remain will be called up to meet him in the air. So when we think about that, that day is coming and it is it could come at any time. There isn't anything left to be fulfilled that will prevent the Lord from rapturing the church. It is now just a matter of seeing all the people saved that can be saved. Think about this this morning. There is that one person, that last person that God knows is going to be saved and he is waiting on that person. When that person falls before the Lord, when that person falls before Christ and says, come into my heart and save me, and the Lord says, that was the one. That was the one. And then he says, go get my church. Then the angels are going to come out. They're going to step out. And not only that, the Lord is going to step out with them, and they're going to call the church home. And we're going to be lifted up. And we're going to be glorified. We're going to take on a glorified body. And we're going to be with Jesus in the air. What does a glorified body mean? It means that all of the sickness is going to be gone. It means that the sin nature is going to be gone. It means that everything that has troubled us or beleaguered us throughout our lives, all of the temptation that we're so prone to fall into, all of those things are going to be gone. And we're going to be walking the streets of gold with Jesus, with our loved ones, with everyone else that's ever went before us, and those that are there with us in present. We're going to know one another, but we're going to know one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to know one another as members of the church. These are things that are assured with us. But there is another time coming later at the end of the Great Tribulation when Jesus is going to return to this earth physically. He is going to come down and He is going to put His feet back on this earth. And He's going to bring His church with Him. 
And when He places His feet upon this church and upon this earth with His church, He is going to rule this earth for a thousand years. That is the moment in time that John is talking about. When He says, Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him. That means those who love Him and those who want to see Him and those who hate Him and those who have the heart of those who pierced Him and tried to kill Him and did kill Him, though everyone, it doesn't matter, the believer and the unbeliever, they will see Jesus and they will be subject to His rule and to His reign. And we can be assured of that. It says it in God's Word. Many times it is written and documented. Jesus Himself has even said it and referred to it. And we can be assured of the fact that He is coming back. He is coming back first to rapture His church. And He is coming back to rule and to reign this earth and the governments of this earth at the end of the tribulation. So this morning, if you're struggling with salvation, if you're struggling with the fact of is this salvation thing real today, I want to assure you that it is very, very real. And if you, if you're putting it off for any reason, if you're trying to convince yourself it's something that's not for you, or how do I know it's for you? How do you know that it's something that I need to be concerned with with me? It's something you need to be concerned with because without Jesus, you have only one hope, and it is an eternity in hell. If you die without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, without knowing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that is your only hope this morning. But if you do, if you do believe in Him, if you do accept Him as your Lord and Savior, understand, His coming will be visible. God is not invisible. Sure, He has no physical features, not that we can see here today, but that does not mean we can't see Him. We can see Him through His creation, through His commitment and through His concern. God is present in this room this morning. And we can see Him, we can see Him through the love that's shared in the praise reports and the prayer requests. We can see Him through the attendance that's here this morning. You're here this morning not because you, you have to be. You may say, well, they're making me because I have to do this. No, understand this. There might be a man-made rule about you being here. You're here this morning because God's presence is real, and God has placed you here today. You are here in God's divine providence to hear His Word and to be in the presence of His Holy Spirit. God loves you enough to have you here to hear His Word today. God loves you enough to send His only begotten Son to die on Calvary's cross to redeem you of your sin. God loves you enough to have you here today to hear His Word, to hear, feel His grace and His peace and His mercy, and to know that you too can be saved. It is very visible, and it will be very visible. Three things we can know about His visible return, though. He will come in the clouds. His return will be public. Jesus is not going to hide from anyone. Jesus is not going to come, and He's not going to knock on your door in the middle of the night. Jesus is not going to come quietly and peacefully. Jesus is going to step out on the clouds when He comes, and everybody is going to see Him. As far as the east is from the west, they're going to see Him. 
And that's something that's going to be amazing. Because if you think of a globe, a map, there is a North Pole and there is a South Pole. If you begin at the North Pole, you're going south until you reach the South Pole. Then you're going north. But if you think of east to west, there's no beginning and no ending. It doesn't matter where you stand on the equator. If you're looking west, you're going to always be looking west. If you're looking east, you're going to always be looking east. You may see the same physical features over and over again, but you're still going to be going east and looking east. So it doesn't matter. That's the goodness of the grace of God and the power of God. When He comes in the eastern, in the eastern sky and He splits that eastern sky, everybody from east to west is going to see Him. There's going to be no one that won't see Him. That includes the saved and the unsaved. He will be seen by everyone. His return, his return will be personal. Just as when we are saved by Jesus Christ, it is personal. Each one of us has sin in our lives. Each one of us. But that sin is different in each one of our lives. The salvation that we have from that sin is a personal salvation. That salvation is personal in that it is directly between us and Jesus. It is directly something that He saved me from, from my own sin. And it is something that He will save you from as well, your own personal sin. It is something very personal, something very private, but yet something very public because once you are saved from it, it is something you will never forget. It is something you will never hide from. It is something you'll never move and never never discredit Him for. Something you will always lift Him up in praise and honor and glory. Not only that, but He will be recognized by those who crucified Him. His return will be a powerful return. Not only by those who crucified Him, but by those today who crucify Him daily. There are people today who crucify Jesus every day because they disbelieve, because they reject Him, because they refuse Him, because they mock Him, because they make fun of Him. It hasn't been long. I was looking on Facebook and I saw a, a picture there from California and someone out there had a sign that they were in some type of a march and it said, if Jesus were here today, we would crucify Him again. That's how some people feel about Jesus. But even those people will experience the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even they will experience His presence. Even they will experience His sovereignty as being the Son of God. Not only will it be visible, but it will be victorious. All kinds of the earth, all kinds and all kindreds of people will see Him. Men and women today are engaged in all kinds of follies, all kinds of immorality and deception, lies and cheating and corruption. You name it, they're involved with it. And it's going to be much worse by the time Jesus returns. If we think it's bad today, it's only going to get worse. I was talking to someone yesterday, and we talk about how bad things are going to be worldwide when the Lord returns. Think about something. 
And we look in our own country and we see our government in a turmoil. It's always finger pointing and name calling. A constant turmoil. But it doesn't stop there. Long before it got to America, Europe and the EU was in turmoil. England was deciding whether they were going to stay or go. Greece was a company, a country that was folded economically. The country collapsed economically. And they were looking for others to bail them out. And they didn't want to bail them out. Other parts of the countries of the EU economically and, and structurally and, and politically are failing and faltering. The Middle East is failing and faltering. Russia itself is failing and faltering. China and the Asian countries are struggling one behind the other. The whole world is in turmoil right now. But it's only going to get worse because it has to pave the way for the coming of Christ. It has to pave the way for the deception of the Antichrist. It has to pave the way for the coming rapture of the church. It has to pave the way for the things that are yet to come. But through all of that, we can't lose sight of the fact that Jesus will not be defeated. Jesus will be victorious through all of it. It doesn't matter how difficult things happen. It does not matter if the economy in America fails today. And we all wind up struggling. Churches close their doors because they can't afford to stay open. And churches begin meeting like this one is meeting this morning. Do you realize that in the first century, when church was established in the book of Acts, when it was birthed on the day of Pentecost, do you realize that for a hundred years or more, this is how churches met every worship day? There were no big buildings. There were no nice buildings that were built because all of the Christians were poor. They had no money. If you were a Christian in the first century and it became known you lost your job, you were fired because you were considered, you were considered an outcast. You were one of those followers of Jesus and Jesus was a criminal and because he was crucified on a cross. It doesn't matter if we wind up in that same situation again. God's going to bless us. God's going to empower us. And Jesus is going to be victorious in the end over all of it. That's something that we can embrace this morning. That's something that we can, we, we can love and we can enjoy it and we can find victory in it today. The devil may be able to stumble us but he will never prevent the victory of Jesus Christ in our lives as long as we know him as Lord and Savior. If you know him as Lord and Savior today, don't let this old world get you down. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior today, don't let health problems get you down. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior today, don't let other people monopolize your life and get you down. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, Cling to Him. Embrace Him. <laughs> Embrace Him personally. Embrace Him through His Word. Embrace Him through each other. Help one another. And understand that you too will be victorious in the end. You will have the promised victory of Jesus Christ. You will have it in your life through salvation and you will have it in your life in the end when Christ returns. When He calls you home 
to be with him as the rapture of the church takes place. It will be a victorious time. We'll know also that Jesus will be an everlasting triumph. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Alpha and Omega are the actually the first and the last words in the Greek alphabet. Literally, they are. That's what Alpha and Omega means. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet, and Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. So what does that mean? That means that Jesus is the first and the last in everything, and everything in between. It's not just in the Greek language, it's in any language, it's in any life. This is just a metaphor that was used to illustrate, that was illustrating the everlasting triumph of Christ. It understands his knowledge, his understanding, his wisdom. It brings all of that to bear in our life. It brings all of that to bear personally in our life. To know that you have access to the wisdom of God. To know that you have access to the understanding that He wants to give you. To know that you have access to His knowledge. It's amazing. It is amazing of the triumph that comes through that. Our Lord is all is an all-knowing person. And in this world, our Bible is the key to that knowing. It's called the omniscience of Christ. There are three attributes to Christ. Christ is omniscient, Christ is omnipresent, and Christ is omnipotent. Omniscient is a word that describes his all-knowing capability. O-M-N-I-S-C-I-E-N-T omniscient. It is all knowing. There is nothing in our lives that Christ doesn't know about. There is nothing in our thoughts that Christ doesn't know about. There is nothing in our heart that Christ doesn't know about. When Christ looks upon us as his children, for those who are saved, he sees everything that's going through our heart, everything that's going through our mind, everything that's coming out of our mouth, Every deed that is done with our hands, Christ sees it and Christ knows it. We're not hiding anything from Him. We're not hiding ourselves from Him. We are His creation. He has full knowledge over everything in our life. Next is omnipresent. He is the beginning and the ending, as Scripture says. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission, He said, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And the Lord is present in the midst of any company of His people and in any part of the world at any given time. Often we will hear when a tragedy strikes, someone will say, Where was God? Or where was Jesus? Or where was the Lord when this happened? Hey, He was right there with them. He was right there at that moment in time. Could he have stopped it? Yes. Did he stop it? No. Why didn't he stop it? I don't know. I know that he was there, though, because he says he was there. We read a story in the New Testament about a group of builders who were crushed between two stones. And Jesus asked his disciples, were these men killed because of their sin? 
And Jesus said, no, they weren't. They weren't killed because of their sin. They were killed because of the circumstances of life, and I was with them. I knew them as they died. There are circumstances that happen in life that God chooses not to intervene in. And in those circumstances of life, people die. And I can't say any more than that, that we are there to comfort one another. We are there to encourage one another. We are there to love one another through it when it happens. We shouldn't forget that. We should embrace it. But we should also know that God and the Lord is there with them throughout all of it. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Hebrews 13.5 And Romans chapter 8 verse 34 Who is he that that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God and also maketh intercession for us. Paul says in chapter 8 verse 34 that Christ is forever making intercession. Chapter 8 Verse 34, that's the book of Romans. He's making intercession for you. Stop and think about that for just a moment. If Jesus knows you as your Lord and Savior, and you know him as that way today, and, and you have that relationship, he is there making intercession for you. He is there pleading your case to God. He is there telling God the Father, be loving and patient, Father. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is. Jesus is making that intercession for us. Paul has recorded it so that we would have it for encouragement. We can't be so bad that Christ will walk away from us. Once we know him, and once he knows us, he loves us enough to stay with us. When we look at the 12 disciples that he worked with for three years here on earth, Peter denied him three times, just as Jesus said he would. But Jesus never abandoned him. John and the rest of them, they all abandoned him at the crucifixion. None of them were there, save John the Apostle, who was there with his mother, and he was the only one, and yet he never stayed through the whole thing. He came at the end. But Jesus never condemned them. Jesus never condemned those that crucified him. The last words that Jesus said before he gave up the ghost, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He asked God to forgive those, even those who crucified him. That's what kind of a loving person he is. That's what kind of an omnipresent Lord he is. So when we're looking at these points at the end, when Christ returns and when he comes, he's going to come all-knowing. He's going to come 
being ever-present in all situations and circumstances. And he's going to come omnipotent, which is all-powerful. When we read in our scripture, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Jesus, as the Almighty, is an expression that occurs only ten times in the New Testament. Nine of them take place in the book of Revelation. Remember, during the tribulation, everything has failed. The church has become apostate. The government and the social systems have failed. Corruption looms everywhere. But the Lord hasn't failed. He hasn't fallen. And the Lord hasn't faltered. He's coming again. All power is given unto me, Jesus said. And by that, my friend, it's an illustration of how powerful he really is. He has the ability to control the rise and the fall of nations, of governments. He has the power and had the power to place you here in this home for your safety. Because he loved you. He has the power when it's in his time to move you out and set you up on your own two feet again and have you moving forward. But with all of that, as with anything, how will we do that? Will we do it? Will we move forward with the glory of God and as a child of Christ? Or will we move forward as someone in the world? Someone being controlled and driven by the world. Someone being controlled and driven by lust and passions. When we look at the scripture today, and we hear, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and with every and every eye shall see him, and they which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth that shall wail because of him, even so, Amen. Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Jesus says in those short two verses, I am everything that was, everything that is, and everything that will be to everyone that ever has been. That's bold. That's bold. But it is because of that boldness I stand before you this morning and I place Jesus Christ in front of you. And I ask you, what role does he have in your life today? He is greater than any problem that you face. He knows about every problem that you face. Jesus is powerful enough to take you through every problem you face. If he will bring you to that problem, he will bring you through that problem. That's just not a catchy phrase, but it is something that you can remember and you can gain some strength from because he means it. And I can tell you that from some personal experiences. Many years ago, I lost a home to fire. It was a rental home. An old mobile home that I rented. I came home from church on a Wednesday night and I smoked them. And I sat down in the living room and I opened a fresh pack of cigarettes and took the little cellophane wrapper off the top of it and put it in the ashtray. I lit a cigarette and I was sitting there smoking it. 
And I was flipping the ashes in the ashtray as a smoker will do. And I smelled plastic burning. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought that, well, you know, I'm burning, this is melting that plastic I put in there. And it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I walked to the end of the mobile home and in the, in the bedroom, inside of the closet, in the old mobile homes, inside of the closet, they put the fuse box. And the closet was on fire. It was engulfed. All of the clothes was engulfed in flames. It had wood paneling, real wood paneling on the inside of the house. And it was burning like cardboard. I got to the telephone in the kitchen and I was standing on the front porch and I was talking to the fire department. This was before 911. I was talking to the fire department and I was telling them where I was and what was going on. And the fire department said, we can't find you in a fire district. I need to call you back. Can I call you back? I said, well, you better hurry because flames are coming down the hallway. And I could look inside the, inside the main door and they had already came through the bedroom and they were coming down the carpet in the hallway coming to where I was standing. They called me back and they said, I'm sending two fire departments, Marion and Nebo. They got there in time to put the grass out to keep it from spreading to the others. I had no insurance. I had nothing but the clothes on my back. <coughs> nothing. I even had the heat was so intense, it busted the front tire on my car. And I had to change the tire on my car before I could even drive somewhere to spend the night. What did I ask? God, why? I just came from church worshiping you. Why? I didn't know why. I still don't know why to this day. All I know it was an electrical fire. The fuse box got hot and set the paneling on fire and it is what it is. But I do know this. God brought me to that point, to that point of devastation in my life and He brought me through it. <coughs> Within the matter of a month, I stayed with, moved back with my parents and stayed with them. But within the matter of a month, I had a house that I was renting. I had contributions of furniture and clothes and everything else that was given that I was able to set up housekeeping with. I was back on my feet as if nothing had ever happened. Is that fast? Yes, that's fast. But it's a testimony to share with you this morning. God takes his time in doing things for each one of us. But it doesn't matter how devastating the circumstances may be. It doesn't matter how difficult they may be. If God brings you to it, He will bring you through it and He will restore you in better condition at the end than you were at the beginning when tragedy struck. Read the book of Job sometime. Read the last part of the book of Genesis and the story of Joseph sometime. Read the story of Daniel sometime. And pay attention to those three people and what God let them go through and let them endure before he came in and done anything different in their lives and established them. 
Why do I say that when we're studying Revelation? Because of the message. Jesus' word is, I will be coming. But before I come, there's going to be tough times. And some of us will have to go through those tough times. There will be some people on this world who will reject Christ and then they will miss the rapture. But then during the tribulation they will be saved. But they will be saved at a very difficult and tough time in history. There are difficulties in our lives today that He can and He will bring us through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You Thank you for the time you've given this morning. Thank you for the opportunity of sharing your word with these ladies. Lord, I pray that you will bless their hearts and their lives. I pray, the Heavenly Father, that whatever the needs are, whatever the struggles they're facing, whatever the problems are that they're dealing with today, I pray that they will find inspiration and encouragement and strength from these words this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll be alongside them. You will undergird them in everything that they accomplish to do. I pray that it will be done to glorify you. Lord, I pray that their lives will be inspired and empowered because of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.